You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, good Saturday afternoon. Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. They were birthed out of the burden to help those in our community and congregations who've come out of a difficult past and addictive lifestyle. Um, appreciate uh, partnering up with them there. And we are giving away a uh, autographed Paul Horning jersey, uh, the home green Beckett style from pristineauction.com, comes with a certificate of authenticity, autographed by the golden boy Paul Horning, Hall of Fame uh, running back there in the uh, Lombardi era. Um, we're going to be giving that away, guys, really, really soon, probably within the next two weeks. So if you've been thinking about um, entering into the contest uh, to win that, obviously you go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access. Um, you will see a tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. Make sure you tweet that tweet mentioning the giveaway and uh, follow the account. And then also there's a link there for uh, FGR or Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Um, if you would like to enter yourself into the contest multiple times and donate to a good cause for every $5 you donate, that'll enter you into the contest one additional time. And again, like I said, coming down the stretch here, if you've been thinking about doing that and wanting to uh, give yourself a little bit better chance of winning that autograph uh, Paul Horning jersey, uh, make sure you get that taken care of real soon because it's probably going to be, like I said, within the next two weeks. And we've already got another giveaway teed up as soon as we finish that one up. So just uh, kind of a way for the podcast to give back to the listeners and then obviously um, the compounding effect, um, make it a little bit of difference uh, given to uh, to great causes. Like we said, you know, Drew Caesar Service Dog and now, of course, uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. So with all that being said, um, let's get into the show. We uh, We got really – Quite a bit to cover. Um, we got the Minnesota Vikings coming up. This is <clears throat> essentially a playoff game, guys, at Lambeau Field, 425 kickoff, uh, 325 local time. Man, it doesn't get any better than this. Um, given how the season started, um, I'm just – I am so uh, thankful the season turned out the way it did uh, here on the back half because – you know, it got ugly, right? And, and there's a lot of people that were, you know, wanting to, you know, wanting to tank and, and wanting better draft picks. And and really, I'm tired of even mentioning it, talking about it. But um, you have to bring it up because everything's, you know, kind of a, a learning process, right? Every opportunity um, is a chance to kind of look back, you know, in the next year or two and go, man, we – we really, as a fan base, not everyone, but a, a pretty good chunk, I, definitely not the majority, but a pretty good chunk was just ready to go, all right, well, this ain't the year that everything's going to fall into place perfect. So 
let's just go ahead and get a better draft pick. And, and man, think of the joy that would have been robbed if we would just went into tank mode. And, and typically the argument comes from, you know, the other side with, well, I'm not talking about losing on purpose. I'm just talking about playing young players and this. And, okay, so you wanted to bench Aaron Rodgers, start Jordan Love, completely tick off Aaron Rodgers after we just gave him a three-year commitment, create a mess there, right? And then let's bring Jordan Love out and either increase the value of his contract by him performing well um, or completely ruining it because of the state of the offense at the time um, since has kind of turned it around. Um, I just – I don't know, man. If if we would have started Jordan Love looking back – it's funny, it's not even in my notes. It's just, you know, the, the, the music hits – show goes live and here we are talking about <laughs> different topics. But if we had moved forward with Jordan Love and this offense caught the spark that it has, nothing crazy, please don't take me wrong. I'm, I'm not sitting here saying this offense is, you know, top 10 offense. Although, you know, in, in some cases outside of the receiver grades, you know, some people would say that the running backs are top 10. Aaron Rodgers is top 10. Um, the offensive line pass blocking is definitely top 10. Um, all those things, right? Um, but if it would have happened, and this team would have started winning the way that we did anyway with Jordan Love, what a mess this franchise would be in. And I'm just being real from a – I'm trying to think of how to word it. Matt LaFleur made the right call, and I guarantee you both Goody and Murphy were involved in the decision of, of not shutting Rodgers down. Now, Rodgers made a comment in Philly as if, you know, yeah, him going to get an X-ray. And I'll wait till after the season to talk about that's what he said on the McAfee show. Um, you know, some people were saying all that, you know, Pat kind of made it seem as if he he thought Aaron was saying <clears throat> there may have been a line in the MRI room and it was ridiculous that they couldn't get the MRI quick enough. Maybe it was gamesmanship was kind of what he was leaning towards. I think it was something else. Part of me wants to wants to wonder if uh, – if maybe some there, someone there within the team, the training staff or whatever, said, hey, look, this is your opportunity to shut it down. You know, the thumb's broke. Now the ribs are injured. Um, we can make this MRI look worse than it is, essentially, right? Or withhold information to make it look worse. I'm not insinuating that's what happened. It's just that's the first thing that crossed my mind when that comment was made on the McAfee show. Um, and I'm just glad it didn't go that route because if Aaron wants to play another two to three years, an another one to two years, I should say, after this year, then the door is still open and that hasn't been fractured, man. If you'd have just forced him to sit and put Jordan Love in, you've got a ton of cap penalty sitting there in Rodgers' contract. It's amazing that the people who are so tore up about Rodgers' contract, like as if uh, this is going to ruin the franchise, they completely overlook the fact that the optional aspect is actually in Green Bay's favor that if Rodgers does retire – then they get a ton of that money back as far as cap cap hit, and the franchise is not handcuffed, right? But those same people are the ones saying, no, we should just trade them or just cut them outright. Like, you do not understand how the cap works, guys. I don't 100% understand how the cap works. I do my best to decipher the information, and you've really got to swim these treacherous waters around the biased opinions of others, people who hate Aaron Rodgers, people who love Aaron Rodgers. There never seems to be anyone in the middle, right? And and the reason being is because it can be so toxic that if someone like me who simply – I'm going to take into consideration the fact that he just won back-to-back -back MVPs. I'm going to take into consideration we just lost arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, right, uh, because he wanted to go elsewhere. 
I'm going to take into consideration the fact that Aaron Rodgers has put so many years into this franchise, right? I'm sorry, man. I'm a very loyal person. I was very loyal to Mike McCarthy and at the time was was ticked off at Aaron because I was believing all the reports that Aaron was running him out of town. Since then, in my opinion, that's been proven false. Aaron's went to bat for him, told the fans, leave him alone. He still lives, lives in Green Bay. This is way back then. And then here recently talked about even after he got fired, they talked pretty much on a weekly or monthly basis. They're still close and how much they love each other because they played such a huge role in each other's career, all that stuff, right? It's just, you know, I'm very loyal in that aspect. And to think that someone has come along and played injured and took your team to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl and won four MVPs, and his teammates love him. That's what's hilarious. Is everybody makes it sound like he's toxic in the locker room, and his teammates just keep going to bat for him. You're kind of seeing that with Russell Wilson right now, and I thought it was a good thing to see because they were just letting Russ take it on the chin, right? And that's the that's the tough thing about being a franchise quarterback and especially getting paid like a franchise quarterback is those those things are going to come at a little bit different level, a heavier level, right? You're going to get too much praise when things are going good, and you're going to get too much blame when things are going bad. But – I'm not going to just push this guy out to the side go, hey, thanks for the years, but get out of here, right? Um, that decision, <clears throat> like Adam Scheffner said, I'm sorry, not Adam Scheffner, like uh, Ian Rappaport said on the McAfee show several weeks ago, that decision was made last year. You're not going to go through that again this year. And the media is trying to drum it up. They're trying to create a story, right? I've heard that Rodgers is going to Indy. I've heard that Rodgers is going to the New York Jets. Think about that. Aaron Rodgers, the guy who has been very outspoken, about the things that he hates about, you know, our country. Um, not not that he hates the country, but just the how everything was handled with COVID and all that. You know, it's no secret, right? And we're not going to get into that, that aspect of the conversation. But New York has been as strict as anyone. The city of New York, city of Jersey, right? Like, why, you know, why in the world would anybody think that Aaron would go to, go to New York? It just doesn't make sense. But that's how you know the media is just throwing stuff and seeing what sticks against the wall, right? But, um, I again, I think it was the right move for a multitude of reasons to stick with Aaron Rodgers. Um, he now has the door open to come back next year if indeed he wants to. And you're starting to see, in my opinion, his play is increasing as he's getting, getting healthier. You know, I was on a JJ's pod. You should be hearing it here in a, in a couple of days. And we kind of got into the Detroit game a little bit. And Rodgers, I think he probably had one of his worst games of the year. But if you if you take away, you know, it's funny, after we got off air, I got to thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know if I completely agree with the comment that, that JJ made that he, you know, he didn't agree with the PFF grade because it didn't come out like Rodgers, you know, graded off all that bad. If you take the interceptions out, played a pretty good game. All right. Um and that's kind of how PFF works. They're gonna, they're not gonna take an interception. You throw two interceptions in a game, go, oh, you had a horrible game. If every other play, you got a plus two or whatever the grading uh, scale is, I haven't looked at it recently. Um, and then you just had two plays that were a negative two, you're probably gonna grade out pretty good, right? Um, but again, it's so long ago. Um, I kind of agreed with JJ when he said it, and then after we got off the air, I got to thinking, I'm like, you know what, man? I don't 100 agree with that, although. My chalk talk segment, I definitely highlighted the interceptions, right? Because I wanted to prove that, hey, the, these turnovers is what cost the game. So I guess what I'm trying to say is Aaron didn't grade out. I don't think Aaron graded out as bad as some might think he he should against Detroit. But I will say that the timely interception in the red zone 
and the turnovers and everything is really what cost the Packers that game in Detroit. But again, banged up, you take the good with the bad, man. You stick with your guy, you ride through the storm, and and you try to hold that locker room together. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's it's easy in this. JJ didn't do this. I'm just saying, in general, it's easy to act off emotion. You know, I did in the Miami game. Like I was to the point where I was ready to cut the game off when they went for it on fourth and two with the fake punt. I was just like, okay, we we evidently don't think we can win this game, so we just got to pull out all the stops here. That's crazy. And if you hadn't done that, you probably would have won by even more in that game, right? And of course, if the you know, it, it's funny that the haters, the Aaron Rodgers haters, point out the interception, okay, to that was thrown. I think it's to Alan Lazard, but they don't even mention the fact that he was pass interference, right? Like that a guy hooked him, jumped in front of him, and picked the pass off. It should have been a pass interference call. I believe, I believe it was Lazard. It might have been Tunyon. But uh, you know, you've got to take all those things into consideration. <clears throat> so I think Aaron's playing better. But <clears throat> on Chalk Talk, um, I broke down that play uh, to Mercedes Lewis, right? Which I felt like was one of the most crucial plays because it set up, I think it either set up the tying score or the go-ahead score. I don't have my notes in front of me, and it feels like it was so long ago now with the holidays and everything, which, by the way, hope everybody had a, a great Christmas, a great Hanukkah, a great, uh, you know, holiday season, whatever you celebrate. But, um, yeah, so what I thought we would do, Rogers talked about it on the McAfee show, and he kind of broke the play down. So let's kind of kick off with that, and then we're going to get into Vikings talk. We're going to kind of prime you for the Vikings game and uh, and go from there. But let's, uh, let's hear what 12 had to say about that play that we broke down on Chalk Talk um, here on the McAfee Show. Is it not a catch? Let's talk about the 39-year-old sidestepping left, throwing right with somebody in her face in a bucket. Oh. What a play. Hey, this is vin vintage Aaron Rodgers, as Michael Cole would say from the WWE. This was filthy here. Was this supposed to go to Big Dog? Or what progression is he <laughs> in this particular play? He's, he's an afterthought, really, on that play. <laughs> Look, I got to highlight Patrick Taylor. If you go back and, and show that clip, uh, the route is really to the front side, the Dobbs on the right. And uh, you see the backer moves over, 15 walks off. I'm thinking Dobbs is going to break out on this in-out in option. He breaks in, and as I move back to the back side, PT does a great job on the block, giving me a little bit of time. And I just, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Big Doug kind of, you know, rumbling down the sidelines. The funny thing about that is there's a play we had a couple years ago where we had Big Dog split way out, and we had this uh, inside concept route. And Big Dog's run this stop and go at like 18 yards. And basically when we installed it, it was like, well, don't worry. You're never going to throw that ball out there, right? So what do I do? You know, I go through my progression. Everybody's covered inside. I throw it out the big dog for like a 16-yard completion. Same thing on this play. It's like, oh, big dog, we're going to give you a little wheel route on the backside. we got a stick knot on the backside. The back's going to run a wide. You're just kind of just eating up some ground down the field. The ball's never really coming to you. So what happens? <laughs> you know, Dobbers breaks in instead of out. I get off of that. I come back. Bobby's gloved. You know, I got no time. I just kind of lay it up, and who's who's down there to make the play is Big Dog. So, pretty, pretty cool stuff. So, <clears throat> I wanted to play that because there was a lot of things that was kind of hit on there as he was covering that. Let me go ahead and unshare my screen. Make sure you're not getting an echo. Um, <clears throat> you know, he he kind of breaks down the play, and and we went through it right. And as we broke the play down, the thing that initially stood out to me, and I didn't mention this on Chalk Talk, is I don't like the play design. I just don't. Like, I don't – I'm so embedded and so used to the Mike McCarthy uh, West Coast spread, right? And West Coast spread was 
you know, you <clears throat> you would come out typically a two by two with maybe a with maybe a running back. <clears throat> you may go empty, you know, three on one side, two on the other, and and you come out and you kind of read the defense as a whole, right? You've got your pre-snap read that's going to start your your side adjustment and your you know your progression in one direction, and you're going to go okay. Typically in West Coast offense, you, you're looking deep first and working your way back. Sometimes in some offenses, it's, it's uh, depending on what defense you're facing. You may schematically go okay. I'm going to look deep, look short, look mid. And that's the read, right? And uh, these defenses are trying to pre-snap sugar. So obviously, as the ball snapped, that post-snap read, if you see, okay, they sugared me there, they're actually firing that guy on a blitz, then this guy now becomes open. He becomes a hot. Jordy knows he's a hot. Cobb knows he's a hot. James Jones knows he's a hot. All those things, right? And, and that's what Aaron was talking about with this system, how this system is flawed to a certain extent. Man, that wide zone run, it does. It stretches a defense out, you know, horizontally, big time. And it does set up a play-action boot. <clears throat> but with the with the West Coast spread, you're kind of – no matter what defense is ran, if you have a decent number of route combinations with optional aspects, you know, choice routes, things like that, Someone will always be open. Now it's up to the quarterback to process the information and find that open guy. In this LaFleur system, it seems like kind of it's a, a two-read system. I mean, you heard Aaron right there. He, he literally said, just like the other play with Big Dog, you know, you're, you're never going to throw that ball out there. Okay, that's your third read. So you're telling me they're coaching them up to say, don't even worry about the third read. Go through one, go through two, either throw it away, look to scramble, I don't know. That's just crazy to me because – that you're playing into the defense's hands, in my opinion. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to say that I understand football or understand offense better than Matt LaFleur. That's not the purpose. I'm just saying the difference between the West Coast spread that Aaron was raised in and this wide zone boot scheme, which is West Coast principles, West Coast terminology, but um, just a whole different way of reading it. I feel like it's pre-snap read, work one half of the field through two reads. It's kind of how this passing game works. But again, though, the thing I want to point out in that video that he unveiled, Dobbs breaks in instead of out. What's that tell you? Okay. That doesn't tell me that the play was designed for Dobbs to run an out and he just screwed it up. You could hear in Aaron's voice that Dobbs has the option, the freedom to run an out route or run an in, a slant, a drag, a shallow cross, whatever you want to call it. And Aaron read the defense a different way. And if you look at the play, Aaron read the play right. Snaps the ball, looks right. Dobbs breaks in. There's a backer sitting right where Dobbs is breaking. Aaron can't go there. Now, Aaron's expecting Dobbs to go out. He's looking to fire that shoot, not, not a shoot route, but kind of a, a quick out route, right, to Dobbs. And he was ready to pull the trigger. Dobbs wasn't there. So I wouldn't call it a mental error on Romeo Dobbs, although as a rookie receiver, you're allowed, you know, you're allowed errors like that. My God, the, him and Christian Watson have been thrust into this role of of kind of uh, sharing the number one and definitely the number two role uh, at wide receiver in this offense. <clears throat> you're going to make mistakes, right? I mean, that's the the point isn't the dog him. And I love how Aaron said Dobbers, you know, Dobbers ran an in instead of an out. It wasn't like he was like, well, Romeo screwed the play up. Called him by his nickname that he, he gives everybody nicknames, and I think that's huge in, in playing sports, not so much in the business world. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> I learned that the hard way. But uh, it, it just – Aaron's laughing. He's smiling about the whole thing. 
And I just don't understand how people can <clears throat> come across like he's a bad teammate. But again, he said Dobbs breaks in instead of out. He immediately looks left to the second read. And Tunyon, what I called, um, I believe I called it an, uh, an out and go, right? And he called it a stick nod, I believe. Pretty much the same type of uh, uh, terminology. Basically, a stick nod is you're faking a stick route, which is just kind of a quick sit, right? I said an out and go because he does flip his hips to the outside like as if it could have been an out route. Um, but obviously, Aaron knows the play exactly. Stick nod, basically stick, and then, you know, fake short, and then you're hitting the seam, right? <clears throat> so he's covered up. He says, Tunyon, you know, Bobby was, you know, another nickname. Bobby was gloved, right? Meaning he was covered. So now Aaron's gone. Read one ran a different route from what he was supposed to read. Let me – or run. Let me hit a timeout here, Okay. That's not on Aaron. If you don't like the fact, and, and I'm not a big fan of it, it's the reason I know there's probably somebody hearing my voice that says, I don't like that. If you don't like the fa fact that these receivers have the freedom to run choice routes, right, and be able to choose on the fly, then that's on Matt LaFleur. That's not on Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron, Aaron's got a lot of say in this offense. That's on Matt LaFleur, not Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur needs to have the you-know-what <laughs> to go to Aaron and go, look, I don't like this aspect. Let's change it up. Let's run specific routes. That way, if somebody screws it up, we know they screwed it up rather than us trying to be mentally on the same page. Although when it works, boy, we love it, don't we? Myself included, right? But I just I wanted to point that out. So Tunyon's covered. That's the number two read. I don't like the fact that the option is one short, right, on the right side to Dobbs, and then two is the stick knot or out and go, whatever you want to call it, to Tunyon. I don't like those being our top two options. I just don't. Like, like that's the progression you're going through. As we're in West Coast, it would have been look for the shot play deep. Okay, the safety's over the top. All right, let's work back short the shallow cross. Crap, they're playing a cover one hole. Okay, now let me fire the cell route. That type of read, right? And here it sounds like the fact that Aaron says you're never going to throw that out there to big dog, that the teaching, the coaching is, you know, aspect is simple. It's hey, here's your one read, here's your two, get rid of the ball, get, you know, throw it away, whatever. But again, Dobbs breaks in instead of out, Tunyon's gloved or covered. Um, Aaron avoids the rush, right, completely, you know, the rusher. I love how he bragged on Patrick Taylor. Notice how the media don't point these things out. Patrick Taylor does put a thump on that backer, but it didn't stop the backer. Aaron still had to sidestep in, you know, outside to avoid him, right? Little vintage jab step, like they said, that Aaron has been known for. And it was nice to see his legs back a little bit in this game because he was, you know, running for first downs and and uh, and taking what the defense has given him. That's huge, especially coming down the stretch here if we do make the playoffs because the team's going to continue to play man coverage and Aaron, you know, gashes them for two or three plays a game scrambling, that's going to force them out of that that cover, you know, cover one man or whatever it is they're running, right? <clears throat> so, um, you know, sidesteps the defender and then, you know, to throw sidearm around a second defender. Guys, that was his third read. Like he literally read one, wrong route. Read two, completely covered. Oh, let me sidestep a rusher. Crap, here's another defender. Hands in the throwing lane. Let me throw off platform that maybe two or three quarterbacks in the entire league can throw. Sidearm around this defender and hit the third read in which the coaching staff is probably saying nine times out of ten, you're never going to throw it there. I'm sorry. That's that's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing to me. So I just wanted to point that out because it happened to be the play 
that we one of the plays that we chose, one of the six that we chose to highlight on Chalk Talk, and hearing Aaron Rodgers explain it rather than me is really really cool because again, when I just when I explained it, I'm looking at that that route by Dobbs going, man, it's just covered up. Actually, it was supposed to be a choice route, and he was supposed to break out. Again, it's not to bash Dobbs. It's just to point out, when we watch on Sunday, we have people going to the tape on Twitter, uh, on YouTube, all this stuff, and going, look at this guy. There's receivers open every play. Okay, if a receiver's open, right, and he and Aaron aren't on the same page, then Aaron's not even looking in that direction because he's expecting him to run an out route. Instead, he runs an in route. That that makes sense to me. Well, Aaron should have thrown it because that was the proper read. Okay, you're asking the guy to be perfect. I don't expect him to be perfect. I don't expect him to win an MVP every year, guys. I don't. Sorry, not going to. Didn't last year. Didn't the year before. Didn't when he first became the starter. None of that. All right, so it's just putting things into perspective and kind of trying to understand how things work inside and out, I think, is – uh it's worth taking the time. So let's move on to the Vikings. Now, the injury report uh, came out here. This is from Rob Domofsky. This is what he tweets out. He says, David Bakhtiari is good to go after his appendectomy a month ago. Watson and Nixon are both questionable, okay? <clears throat> let's talk about um, that just a second. We're going we're gonna to get into the, the, uh, the complete offensive line, right, how the offensive line is, is set to, to be against the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I think it's going to be huge because they do have a pretty strong front there with Zedarius and, uh, and some of those other pass rushers. So um, we're going to talk about that in a second. But kudos to Zach Tom for filling that void at left tackle. But I think we need to take into consideration that Zach Tom has graded out in the upper 60s to lower 70s on a pretty consistent basis, to the best of my knowledge. I don't have the PFF data pulled up. But he's definitely played pretty well, pretty decent for a rookie offensive lineman. But David Bakhtiari, guys, before the appendectomy, was playing great. He was looking like he was on track to be the old David Bakhtiari. So if he's not rusty from the appendectomy, and I don't think he will be, this guy – is going to be an upgrade at left tackle from last week. And I felt like the offensive line held up pretty well last week, too. You know, Aaron, like I said, had to sidestep a few here or there, got time to scramble, you know, had throwing lanes, had 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 lanes to rush if he needed to. Um, but I do think it'll be an upgrade. So let's read the entire injury report. Oh, I'm sorry. Watson and Nixon both questionable. That's huge, in my opinion. Okay. So the injury report. I'm only going to mention the people that were limited. Just I think it's worth noting. Bakhtiari limited. He's playing. Elton Jenkins limited. You know, the knee uh, kind of acted up a little bit. He's playing. Aaron Jones got a knee and an ankle. Limited participation. He's planning on playing. You'll probably see limited snaps. Guys, we got to stop with the game day rants, the game day rage of, why is Aaron Jones not getting the ball more? Every single game, he's banged up. I mean, there's a reason. I, I guarantee you Matt LaFleur is not over there going, huh, we need we we need to keep the ball out of Aaron Jones's hand. I'm sorry, he's he's not he's not over there saying that. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, 
as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. But there's injuries that occur during the game that's going to limit, you know, a certain amount of touches, right? And, and you know, with the emergence of A.J. Dillon late in the season like he always seems to do, why not lean on A.J. a little bit to get Aaron through these, Aaron Jones through these uh, these injuries being banged up? But, again, I just want to mention that. I expect him to play, but he was limited in practice. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon did not participate. He's questionable. He was out there, but he didn't participate, and we know now it's a groin injury, okay? So those can be really, really tricky. I'm hoping he's available. Um, man, he's a game changer. But if he's 70%, don't put him out there. I, I don't know how to say this without being mean because I've been very, very vocal on Amari Rodgers and how I feel like the the team did not do him justice. They put him in a, a position to fail. They set him up to fail, essentially, being a kick return, punt return, because it's just something he wasn't good at, right? But even if Keyshawn isn't back there, guys, all we need is someone who can field the freaking punt. Right. That's top priority is not turning the ball over after you just forced a turnover. So if Keyshawn is 70 percent, 80 percent, don't put him out there. Put Cobby back there. Put, you know, whoever you need to put back there, Dobbs, just someone that, that you know you can trust. They're going to protect the football. They're not going to fumble. They're not going to muff the punt, that type of thing. But, man, I, I would there's nobody that wants to see Keyshawn Nixon at 100 percent more than me against the Vikings. I want to see him torch those special teams. And then, of course, Christian Watson is a hip injury. And he did not participate Wednesday or Thursday. He had limited partic- uh, participation there on Friday, and he's listed as questionable. That's another one that's huge. You don't want to reaggravate that, but guys, this is a playoff game. So you can't go out there and go, well, there's a chance he might re injure it. Everybody's injured at this point in the season, right? So let him give it a go, in my opinion, and uh, let's hope he can uh, finish the game out. But again, if it's if the hip is going to affect his speed, and now we're getting 70% of Christian Watson, you may be better off going with someone else, right? Because, um, you know, the big the big uh, factor for him, the big X factor, if you will, two things, his speed and his size. And, and the, the way that he's shown that he can make possession catches has been such a – I don't know, man. It's it just – it's something I didn't expect this year. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't see him bodying corners in his rookie year. And you could tell, man, it's not too big for him. And then on the running play, seeing him, you know, blast a, a defender, <clears throat> you know, I think it was two games ago on the edge uh, for a touchdown run where he just annihilated a corner. And it's like, yeah, he this game isn't too big for him at this level. It's really, really exciting. But again, man, you got to get him healthy. You got to, you know, you can't go out there and, you know, it's like Bakhtiari. If you told me Bakhtiari is only going to be 60% of himself, then play Zach Tom. But Bach, it sounds like, is is as close to 100 as he's been in a long time. So roll him out there, right? So I just wanted to touch on the injury report. On Minnesota's side, Garrett Bradbury uh, had a back injury. He's their starting center. He is out for this game. And then, of course, you've got, uh, let's see here, uh, James Lynch, defensive line, has a shoulder. He is out this game. So not many injuries on their list. Um, but Bradbury is it could be huge. It really could. I looked at the PFF grade of their backup center, and it's like I think overall grade was in the 50s, and pass blocking might have been in the 40s, or maybe it was a run block in the 40s, but has not graded out well in the limited snaps to these scene. He's listed as a guard, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so 
if he comes out and plays center like we're expecting, Kenny Clark has got to make an impact. And I think it's worth mentioning that, it, it, to me, it looks like um, Devontae White is going to get a huge increase in snaps, right? I think last week it, it increased to 24. Dean Lowry gets hurt. Um, he's obviously on IR now. So this is Devontae Wyatt's opportunity. Now you got Kenny and Devontae Wyatt lining up, splitting uh, you know, duties there, basically attacking the interiors. So that backup center, you may see a breakout game for either Kenny Clark or Devontae Wyatt. That could be huge because we all know Kirk Cousins loves to sit in that pocket and stand tall in that pocket. Not a huge scrambling threat, although he can tuck it and run if he needs to. But, man, let's clog up those throwing lanes and let's get some pressure right in his lap in the A and B gap, right? So that I think that's kind of the approach they should take. So I uh, just wanted to hit on that. And then, of course, he mentioned Packers coach Matt LaFleur said he fully expects David Bakhtiari to play Sunday. <clears throat> As for Christian Watson, he said, quote, we'll see. So could be a little gamesmanship there, holding information from the opponent. But at the same time, you know, the Packers are very conservative when it comes to injuries. Wouldn't be surprised if Christian didn't play at all. I hope that's not the case. I want to see that dude out there burning this defense, right? So um, now Matt Schneiman had a tweet as well here I wanted to mention as we uh, kind of come down the wire. Matt said, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers, Yash Nijman, and Aaron Jones are among those off the injury report that will play Sunday against the Vikings. Christian Watson and Keyshawn Nixon are questionable. So he kind of confirmed that. I didn't see Yash on the injury report. We all know he he left the game in Miami. Royce Newman came in and filled in. Um, it kind of had me worried, like, okay, who's going to play right tackle? Do you put Tom out there? You know, it's a little bit different from playing left tackle to right tackle, <clears throat> but it looks like Yash is good to go, so that's great news there. Feeling a lot better about this. You know, last I seen, the Packers are three-point favorites in this game, according to Vegas. Um, I believe somewhere around 54% of the money was on the Packers, and that tells me this is going to be a very, very close game. You know, sometimes you get those point spreads and you got – 75, 80% of the public money is on one team. And you go, okay, Vegas is really, really good at what they do. They'll somehow pull this bet off and win the win the bet, you know, uh, against the masses, if you will. So I think that stuff's worth mentioning too. So um, let's do this. Let's get one final look at the Vikings. It's Packers Daily on Packers.com, guys. Um, you can check this out for free. Obviously, follow them on YouTube. That's where I pulled it from. But Packers Daily just did a little last second preview of the Packers Vikings. We're going to hit that audio real quick. Check it out. We get back. We're going to talk a little old line play and we'll get you guys out of here. They definitely have shown the resiliency it takes to play in this league. I mean, anytime you're down 33, nothing and find a way to come back. Uh, I think that says all that it needs to. 11 and 0 in one score games. Uh, that's the league, you know, you win those games, you're going to be playoff bound. They've got great players, obviously. Got a lot of respect for Kevin. You can tell they're playing with a lot of confidence. We're going to have to play at our best and prepare at our best to give ourselves a chance. When the Packers and Vikings square off, it's hard to find anyone any better than Aaron Rodgers. Throws middle, diving grab, touchdown! Going to take it himself, no. Throws end zone, touchdown! Number 12 has thrown for 56 TDs against Minnesota in the regular season. Currently the most against the Vikings in NFL history. Bootlegs to his right, stops, looks, throws, end zone, diving grabs, Lazar, touchdown! A tracer at point-blank range! With a win Sunday, 
Rodgers would match Brett Favre's franchise-leading record against the Vikings, and more importantly, keep the Packers in the postseason chase. Yeah, it's been some really uh, physical football games over the years. Uh, we had a game in the Seal Division a couple years ago there. That was a big win for us. And the intensity uh, is a little bit uh, higher. Obviously, they've been playing really well. They're a better football team in Chicago this year, so anytime you're playing them, a really good football team is also a rival that kind of picks up the intensity level of the game. You know, you got to play the full 60 minutes. You can't worry about the score or anything like that. Just keep your head down, take it one play at a time, and uh, give all your energy and effort into that moment, to that play. All right. So just like I said, a little primer <clears throat> for the Vikings game. Man, um, <laughs> I watched Twitter for the last two weeks. And really, the last three weeks, and these the Vikings continue to pull out these close games, and you had the greatest comeback in NFL history. And there's a lot of Packer fans calling them frauds, right? And, and I've laughed a time or two, you know, people, you know, post videos of the chain celebration they do on the on the plane ride home and all that. Kirk Cousins wearing everybody's chain, and you know, people uh, doing a diamond test on it. And they say, oh, this is showing it's fraudulent. No, and then they move the necklace. Oh, it's actually the jersey, you know, all those things. But now, the week of the game, three-point spread. Packers are, are three-point favorites. Um, you see how close the money is. You see in Packers Twitter kind of slow down a bit. Tell Packer fans are like, oh man, okay, let's let's get quiet. It's, it's game week, right, guys? It's it's why you don't talk all that trash all the time, you know, because sooner or later the the Bills do, right? And you got to go out there and win the freaking ball game. And I'm not one that subscribes to this team is bad, this team is fraudulent, right? And I'm not trying to bash anybody who believes that. This is just my personal opinion, okay? Um, you know, I've seen off-season podcasts, shows where um, other media members, you know, from Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, you know, kind of talk about their team going into the season. Everybody was on the Justin Fields hype train, of course. And Luke Getzey coming over from Green Bay and the things that Justin Fields can do that Aaron can't do with his legs, you know, at the eight, you know, with, you know, how old he is now. The Bears are going to be sure going to be Minnesota, man. All the points that were made, other than Paul Allen, I cannot stand that guy. I think that's his name, the voice of the Vikings. Oh, God, he's so obnoxious. He's so bad at what he does, but he's so loud, kind of like Skip, that everybody's always talking about him, which keeps him relevant, and I'm guilty of it at this very second, right? Um, but when it when it comes to other people, other media members, and they've talked about the Vikings, all the points they made were great points. If Zadarius is healthy, he's a good player. It's a big pickup. Harrison Smith, safety position, solid safety, right? Um, on offense, I mean, Dalvin Cook, in my opinion, he's, he's probably a top five running back, definitely a top ten running back in my opinion. Justin Jefferson, arguably the best receiver in the game. You know, you, you mentioned Justin Jefferson. You mentioned uh, Devontae Adams. You mentioned Cooper Cup when he's healthy. Um, you know, there's really a handful, roughly five receivers that at any point you could say, man, that's the best receiver in the game, right? They have him. They go out and trade for T.J. Hawkinson. You know, T.J. Hawkinson, that was a great pickup for what they gave up for him and to get a starting caliber tight end, a guy that was a, literally – some people had him graded out as the best player in that draft that year, right? And you go out and get him. You, you Now you fill that void. So now you've got a solid tight end, 
arguably the best receiver in the game. You got a solid number two in Thielen, right? You got Dalvin Cook, who's a top 10 back. You've got a decent offensive line with their healthy, and they've been banged up. Kirk Cousins, who typically protects the ball pretty well, right? Fairly accurate quarterback. Kirk Cousins is, in my opinion, Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback. Um, you know, definitely a top 15. But anyone who, who tries to pretend like he's not a starting caliber quarterback, you're you hate the Vikings, and I relate, okay? <laughs> but you gotta you gotta take all these things into consideration. You look head coach to head coach, man. You gotta give props to Kevin O'Connell. He's had a great year. He has. I mean, I don't know. It just this game could go either way. And again, the last three weeks we've been poking fun at the Vikings and pretending like they're a horrible team. And I'm sorry it's not the case. You know, you heard Aaron mention on that soundbot from Packers Daily. And like I said, you find it on Packers.com and on YouTube if you want to go back and watch it. <clears throat> they do a great podcast. I I uh, crossed paths with uh, Spofford and Hockwitz when I was in Green Bay. They seem like great guys. They probably don't even remember meeting me, but really good dudes. Love their podcast. You should check it out for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just like Aaron had mentioned, they've won a lot of close games. Guys, that's not a bad thing. People that are, oh, well, look, they barely won by this much. Look at the point differential. Okay, I get it, but don't you want to be good in close games? Like, show me the Super Bowl winning team where they just absolutely annihilated the rest of the league and their, their you know, scoring was just off the charts at a record pace. I remember the New England Patriots when they signed Randy Moss, when they traded for Randy Moss. And that offense was one of the best, I think it was record-breaking offense, one of the best offenses in the history of the game. They get in the playoffs and lose right? Because maybe they didn't have enough experience winning close games with all those blowouts. I don't know. I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but those things matter. And when it comes to the Vikings winning close games, that's a positive for Minnesota. That's not a negative. You're not going to convince me otherwise, right? So I just wanted to mention that because this is a tough one. This is going to be a tough game to win. Um, Now, what do we have advantage, right? Basically, Typically, NFL teams will get three points for playing at home, all right? Packers are three-point favorites. They're the home home team. So, basically, Vegas is saying this is a push. This game could go either way. Okay, what's the public money say? Public money says it's close to 50%. It's definitely less than 60 last I checked, right? One way or the other, whether it's swung or not, I don't know. That tells me it's going to be a close game, right? So, all of a sudden, we're in game week, and now everybody's starting to get a little bit quiet. This is going to be a barn burner, man. This is going to be a knockdown drag out, and it's going to come down to two things that I always mention. And you guys, uh, you probably get tired of hearing it. It it definitely is what won on the game in in Miami. Turnover differential, to the best of my knowledge, the Packers were plus two in turnover differential, and middle eight. I believe the Packers won ten to three middle eight, but I have to go back and look at the notes. They definitely won the middle eight. So they won the middle eight and the turnover differential. Those are the two things that are going to come into play. You cannot make coaching errors in the middle eight. And Matt has been guilty of it this year, right? This you this game right here is going to be crucial managing the game in the middle eight. What do I mean by that? Do not leave, do not leave points on the field inside the middle eight, and you darn sure don't make coaching decisions going forward on fourth down in specific moments where the other team is set up with a short field and they're able to win the middle eight, right? 
So middle eight being the last four minutes of the second quarter, the first four minutes of the third quarter. I want you to make a note of that, guys. When you watch this game, write that down because it's, I mean, it's crazy. I, I have, I'd have to look at the updated numbers, but at one point it was 87% of the time the team that wins the middle eight and the turnover differential wins the ball game. Okay. Like, watch that this week. When you get within the, the you know, four minutes left in the first half, really key in and pay attention. If it's the five-minute mark, I kind of include that, right? And, and, you know, obviously the further you get away from the middle eight, the less now you're fudging the numbers. But, you know, if a team gets the ball in the second half, they drive down the field and they score four minutes and 30 seconds into the third quarter, I'm going to consider that middle eight, in my opinion, because that momentum is what's, you know, is really what carries through the game, right? Um, so I think that's what it's going to come down to. Now back to the offensive line. <clears throat> we got great news with Bach. <clears throat> if he's 100% ready to go and he's not limited in any fashion, that's great news. Yash is back, okay? So we don't have to plug Royce in or put Zach Tom in over there at right tackle. That's great news. So our offensive line – is completely healthy. David Bakhtiari, Elton, you know, at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at left guard, uh, Josh Myers at center, John Runyon at right guard, which I, I can't say enough about John Runyon, man. What a godsend he's been playing right guard. It's been awesome. <clears throat> we started the year, guys, with Royce Newman playing right guard and just getting absolutely manhandled, right? And then right tackle, uh, Yash Niesman, who's done a great job. Uh, stepping in there and filling that void. You know, we tried Royce there a time or 12, <laughs> and it just didn't work out, right? Um, you tried Elton there, and it didn't work out. So this offensive line is definitely better with Elton Jenkins at left guard for sure. Um, so what's really cool about that offensive line, and, and I'm getting ready to wrap this big bear up, David Bakhtiari under contract next year. Elton Jenkins just got his contract extension. He's under contract for next year, obviously, for the next four or five years, I believe. Josh Myers, under contract next year. John Runyon, under contract next year. Yash will be uh, restricted in free agency somewhat. I don't know the exact term, but essentially the Packers will be bringing Yash back, most likely unless they say, look, we've got what we need for right tackle. Let's add another minimum contract on a rookie you know, draft pick, You know, third, fourth, fifth round. So I said third and some of y'all cringe right now. I know the third round pick is, is cursed under Goody evidently, but um, – you know, they may go in a different direction, but I see them bringing Yash back because it should be a fairly discounted price, and, man, he has stood up well at right tackle. I say all that because <clears throat> this offensive line, we finally found the magic mix, right? Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Yash, and they're all coming back next year. That's very exciting. So we're finishing the year with a little bit of momentum. We got an opportunity to make the playoffs when none of us seen that possible midseason, right? The halfway point, we were going, God, how this season's been a wreck. Well, here we are in a playoff hunt. Essentially, every week is a playoff game. The atmosphere is going to be awesome at Lambeau Field. Um, you're going to get <laughs> the best of both of these teams. It's a division rival. It's supposed to be like 27 degrees, somewhere around 27 to 30 degrees, which isn't crazy cold, but you're going to get the steam coming out of the players' mouths, just that whole Lambeau mystique. Coach LaFleur has already come out and said, get loud, get out of your seats. Screw anybody who tells you to sit down. Let's make that place rowdy. Guys, we're still playing for something this late in the season. Man, that is exciting when you go back to, to week eight or week seven, week nine, whatever it was, when we were at our lowest point, like, ah, oh, this, this season's a scrap, right? So glad they didn't give up. So it's exciting, man. It's playoff football, guys. That's what we're in right now, playoff football. 
And what else could you ask for when your quarterback has been playing with a broken thumb on his throwing hand, bruised up ribs, David Bakhtiari keeps battling like heck to come back from the knee injury, then he gets an appendectomy. Those are your two most important positions on offense. But somehow we're ready to scrap the entire team, fire everybody, and just start over from scratch. If you had told me going into the season, Aaron Rodgers is going to play hurt all year and David Bakhtiari is going to miss a significant amount of time too because of injury, I would have said, okay, we're probably closer to 10 wins. Here we are. That's not including the other injuries. Christian Watson early in the season, been banged up here and there. Um, It's a lot of things, man. And the fact that we're still in the hunt, each week that goes by that we hang in there, I'm I'm winning more and more of that respect back for Coach Matt LaFleur because you got to give him credit that he was able to patch this back together. <clears throat> you know, had a lot of guys miss time. I'm proud of the fact that they moved on from Darnell Savage there for a bit and said, hey, look, you're going to have to sit. You're playing horrible, right? I kind of wish they'd do it with Amos, but then again, who replaces him, you know? Um, the emergence of Rudy Ford, you know, J.J. and I talked about that extensively. I hope they bring him back. I think that – I don't think they should rest on their laurels and just say it's Rudy and Savage. You know, I agree with JJ that, hey, let's go sign a big name free agent if we can. You, I think you'll be able to get a an upgrade at safety, a starting safety from anywhere from seven to twelve million per year on average. And again, like we said, in simple restructures with the Packers cap situation, you could free up forty million in the blink of an eye. You get the potential of almost eighty million, definitely seventy million in maximum restructures. But we don't want to stay near that number. We, I would like to see them do restructures in a sense where we would have about $20 million to shop with. That's enough to go get you a safety and potentially a solid wide receiver if Lazard tests the market and you don't want to pay what he's willing to get on the open market, right? So just a lot of things to, to be excited about as Packer fans. And I think we should count our blessings because the fact that they're still in the hunt and now the playoffs are starting early for the Packers, man, that's exciting. That's exciting. What else could you ask for, right? Um Team's not going to win 13 games every year, although Matt LaFleur was starting to convince me that they were, right? But uh, the uh, the Devontae Adams talk, you know, people were saying he should come back to Green Bay, man. I just don't know. I don't, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't want him back. I'd love to have Tay back. I told you guys when he left, it's like, hey, look, he made a decision to go closer to family and play with his college quarterback. One of them backfired on him, right? But I don't hold that against him. Everybody should have the freedom to do that in this country. You should be able to make the choices you want to make without other people telling you what to do. Or, or trying to put indirect pressure on you, right, and lead you away from what your heart tells you to do. Um, but is there a chance he can come back? I don't know, man. That, the way that's structured, I think he stays – I think he probably stays in Vegas would be my guess. He seems to be handling it pretty well, but, you know, deep down inside, he's got to be like, what in the crap just happened? They gave Carr the extension, but, again, that's why it's so important to focus on the numbers, guys, because I think if they let him go, it's something like four or five million dollars cap penalties all they get, and they free up like thirty million dollars. How's that so? He just signed a big extension because it's about guaranteed money and the optional aspect of the contract, and that's what the gurus on Twitter that claim they understand the salary cap one hundred and ten percent don't ever mention. They take the big, the big flashy number, and they use it as their talking point to push their narrative, and they move on to the next topic, and. Uh, I always want to leave that caveat, that that little that little bit of space in there for error to let people know, look, we I don't completely understand this contract. And if somebody says they do, please ask them, are you 100% sure? And you'll never get that answer. But they'll argue till the cow come home, try to dunk on you on Twitter and make you look stupid. It's hilarious. So that mute button's a beautiful thing.
I've had several people going, why aren't you responding to so-and-so? I ain't got nothing to say. What's the point in arguing? We disagree. We're not going to agree on this. So just keep it moving. Have a nice life, man. It's cool. You believe what you want to believe. I believe what I want to believe. And we'll be cordial and friendly to each other. If we can't do that, and the goal is just for you to uh, constantly belittle people and pretend like, look, <laughs> I understand this. You don't. Or as I should say, always go back to, I do this for a living. We are not the same. That type of mentality, man, I don't have time for it. Sorry. Life's too short. Should be building people up, not tearing them down. So that being said, man, we're out of here. Appreciate you guys for taking the time to hang out with us here on this Saturday afternoon. I know we got uh, uh, college football playoffs. Um, I'm not a big college football fan, but I'll tell you what, man, there's some uh, some prospects in there that you probably want to go. Today would be a good day to – I think the first game kicks off at 4 o'clock, maybe about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, go settle in, get in front of your computer real quick, go to the consensus big board and go, okay, what are the top – who are the top prospects on this – uh, on this field in these next two games here, because what you're going to get is the ultimate evaluation guys. These are the things that in the combine combine week and pro days, people shoot up like Zach Wilson did, but these are the moments that you really want to key in on when it comes to prospects. What do they do in big time games when the team needs them the most under the most pressure? How do they perform? Right. Those fourth quarter statistics too are huge. You really want to lean into the fourth quarter of these two games today because you're going to find out uh, which players are, are going to step up. Jamar Chase stepped up in big-time games. Joe Burrow stepped up in big-time games, right? Some of the players that aren't playing that well in the NFL, not so much. You can really see that come into play. So I'm excited about seeing uh, seeing those two games. So, again, thank you all for making us a part of your Saturday afternoon here. We really appreciate it. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.